like to welcome you to Boy Meets Wellness, a podcast that discusses the complexities, celebrations, and challenges of building a wellness ritual as a BOI, a person who is born obviously incredible. You are now listening to Boy Meets Wellness with poet, motivational speaker, and wellness lover, Evolve Benzo. BOI, born obviously incredible, especially when you wear it pretty. What's good? What's good, world? Welcome to Boy Meets Wellness. I'm so excited about today's show. This is my first interview on the Boy Meets Wellness podcast, and I'm excited to have a space to explore wellness and the people in my life that are born obviously incredible. As we celebrate LGBT History Month, I think it's important that we honor our ancestors. For this episode, I'd like to honor the work of Gladys Bentley. Gladys Bentley was a famous black masculine center blues singer in the 1920s. We actually share the same birthday. Some of her most famous photos she's seen in a black or white tuxedo three-piece. And she just was really rebellious at that time. You know, going against gender norms at a time when you could be arrested for wearing two or three pieces of the opposite sex clothing. So thank you, Gladys, and the doors you opened so that I could be my most authentic self. You know, it, it's, it's an honor to be able to show up especially in professional places or in artistic places, you know, as a poet and to show up as my true self. So thank you so much, Gladys. Like I said, it's October 2018, y'all. And we're in LGBT History Month. Can you believe how fast this year has gone by? It's just, it just amazes me. On today's episode, we'll be sitting down with Kay Martinez to discuss justice, fashion, and wellness. Kay has been doing interviews and bringing to light their wrongful termination as well as the cycle of abuse by employers who claim that they want equity and inclusion standards to change at their organizations, but abuse and shut down diversity of leaders when they are hired and attempt to do this work. As a masculine of center per leader in this work, I see this constantly being portrayed in the leadership of my own company and folks that I consult with on a regular basis. It's a need to appear diverse, but a lack of effort to do the work. We as gender non-conforming trans folks in these spaces are often misgendered and have to relive so much trauma in order to educate people in power who don't plan to change and only want a sticker or certificate to showcase their understanding of human decency. But before we jump into this interview, I like to provide my listeners with a wellness tip. So a year ago, I would say probably about today, I started to really look into strengthening my body and taking care of my gut health. And what I mean by my gut is, you know, like my gut, my stomach, you know, like the thing we use to digest stuff, you know, it's really important for our body. So uh, I started doing research and I wanted to see, you know, like were any diseases connected to that. And I've seen that so many diseases and ailments such as cancer, diabetes, and even thyroid issues were tied to poor gut health and overall inflammation of the body. Um, So a year ago, I started implementing a daily morning detox in order to clean my gut and prepare my body for the day. I got this information and method from the amazing Sean Stevenson. Um, If you Google Sean Stevenson and you look up um, the Model Health Show, he has an amazing, amazing podcast um, where he talks about not only gut health and and how to, you know, heal your thyroid, but he also talks about um, sleeping smarter and you know drinking more water but drinking high quality water so check out sean stevenson so anyways i started doing these morning detoxes um and they consist of 24 to 36 ounces of high quality water 
uh, juice from a half of a lemon, a dash of cayenne pepper, and a dash of Himalayan sea salt. I started doing this about a year ago. And, you know, instantly, you know, I started noticing I was having less headaches. Um, I was able to show up in, in places more focused. And overall, my health and well-being, you know, it, it really just shot up. And honestly, you know, my digestion just got so much better. You know, I, I thought that, you know, feeling digestion that was inadequate um, and eating things, you know, that did that to my body was normal, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, you know, this is a wellness tip for me, for y'all, for LGBT History Month. All my queer folks out there, take care of y'all guts, man. We got to take care of our bodies and our temples um, so that we can be here to do this amazing work that we're here to do. Uh, so I wanted to share that with y'all. If y'all have some wellness tips, what are y'all doing? You know, what are some some weekly, daily, what are things you do to really take care of your body? I'm always interested in hearing that. Hit me up, Evolve Benton. That's me on all social media sites. It's E-V-O-L-V-E, Benton, B-E-N-T-O-N. If you'd like to hear more about my work or anything, check me out at EvolveBenton.com. I really would appreciate that. Uh, now let's get into our interview for the day with Kay Martinez. This is your boy Evolve, and I am here with Kay Martinez, my fly homie, here to have a conversation about wellness, but to also talk about justice and what does that mean, right? To talk about what does it mean for Black, trans, gender nonconforming folks, and how do we com have conversations about professionalism? How do we have conversations about the complexities of the work that we're doing, especially when we're doing diversity and social justice work? Um, so, Kay, I want to really just jump into pronouns and my first question for you is like what brings you joy wow well thank you so much and i am in the flyers company myself uh you radiate this beautiful energy of flyness and creativity so thank you for all that you do and i'm Kay. i use they them pronouns thank you and what do i do that brings me joy at this moment what brings me joy um clothing has always been uh, a form of expression that is often painful, you know, for folks like me and perhaps all of us who experience dysphoria, um, what we wear and how we wake up and, and what we want to wear and project to the world is, is loaded. Um, and I have found that taking the time to like wear clothing that matches how I feel inside can be therapeutic you know, this idea of adornment, and I want to credit Dr. Van Bailey, speaking of foreignness, um, and his work in talking about adornment for black and brown trans people um, is really significant for me. So I think being intentional about what I wear and how I wear it makes me feel good about myself, but it's, it's difficult. Um, I like to skateboard. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy being outside riding, you know, um, thinking about how I can like use my body in different ways and navigating space and on a, on a board has been cool. Um, I like dancing. Uh, I've been able to connect with some really cool DJs here in Philadelphia, queer, trans DJs, black and brown folks. Um, just getting free on the dance floor, not thinking about anyone, just having fun with my body has been, has been helpful. And just always, always being around black and brown, queer and trans people brings me joy. Just seeing us in our 
beauty and our glory always makes me happy. That's beautiful, man. I mean, you know, watching you, um, one thing I really love about social media is the ability that we have to, to watch each other and to have experiences together. And I'm, I'm honestly scared to get on the skateboard, man. So when I see you doing it, you know, it's like, it's like I'm simulating, you know, I'm just watching and I'm like, imagine what it would feel like. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm just clumsy and I don't want to fall. I don't, I don't have it in me. Um, so, as far as like your work, can you tell me a little bit about your current level of success? Um, you know, I myself, I work in higher education. I'm the assistant director at UCSS LGBT Campus Resource Center. Um, and I've been doing this work for about five years. And I think, you know, I met you in one of those settings. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the diversity world, you know, it's a structure, right? Like it's a space that sometimes has a glass ceiling and it's hard for folks to move around, but I've really seen you navigate it in a way that is amazing. So can you just talk to us a little bit about, you know, your current level of of success and how you got into this work in particular? Sure. I feel like success is really relative. You know, it's based on what you believe to be successful. I will tell you that for most of my life, I felt like success was determined by my job title, by the institution that I was affiliated with, and by my paycheck. And I got my master's in higher education in 2011. And for the past seven years, all I cared about was getting these titles and and working at these institutions and getting these checks. And so once I got my master's, I've been focused on diversity and inclusion work in higher education in predominantly white institutions. So right out the gate, I was a director at Framingham State University at 23. I founded my own center, a multicultural center at a public university. And I was a director there. I was there for like two years. Uh, and then from there, I went to Stanford University as associate director of the diversity and first generation office. And then after that, I went to Tufts University. I was the director of the Women's Center. And then lastly, I was the first director of diversity, equity, inclusion for the Mazzoni Center, uh, making $100,000 a year reporting to the CEO. Uh, so essentially, I was an executive, like a chief diversity officer in the LGBT nonprofit world and looking at other institutions like that. So there's like Whitman Walker in New York. There's Fenway Health in Boston, and obviously Mazzoni Center here in Philadelphia. So we are among the oldest uh, LGBT health centers in the country, and I was the first chief diversity officer at 32 years old. Um, And so I thought that that was success. But given the work environment that I was subjected to, and this isn't exclusive to Mazzoni Center, uh, doing diversity work is very difficult because it can often be tokenizing. It can often be a facade where you are a commodity for these institutions where they want to use your image, they want to use your identities for them to just say that they're really down with diversity and inclusion and they use you to be the figurehead for that. But when it comes down to the actual work, they're not really about it. And then when you as a change agent try to do the work that you're here to do, you get penalized, you get retaliated against, you get targeted for termination. And that's something that I've experienced throughout my career. And I feel like I have really been naive, like walking into these institutions. And I'm like, you hired me to assess diversity, equity, inclusion. You hired me, you said, 
to think about these issues, to think about those who are marginalized, to work towards like a greater sense of equity. But when I try to do that, I get penalized for it. And so I never really understood like the unwritten rules of the game. And now since like my termination, my wrongful termination, you know, I'm currently unemployed, you know, I don't have health insurance. And I feel like I may be more successful right now because I wake up every day and I don't have to go to an institution that makes me be someone I'm not. I'm enjoying this level of freedom every morning when I wake up and I get to think about what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so success is very relative right now. And, you know, because of, thankfully, like my own privilege, my own financial moves, you know, I think we're going to talk more about like wellness and, and how you can like set your life up. Like I'm living off of like liquid assets. I'm living off of investment property that I own. I may be filing for unemployment soon, but like, you know, these last three weeks, I haven't been waking up every day thinking about money that I need to make. And these last three weeks have been a blessing where I'm just thinking about this cause. I'm thinking about amplifying this message. I'm thinking about talking about the retaliation and discrimination that we face as queer trans people of color. Um, and that that has been maybe the most rewarding work that I've done since working here at Missouri Center because I have not been allowed to do the job that I signed up for. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, when you mention, you know, like that you have a sense of almost calmness um, since you didn't have to, you know, step into that type of space, like a, a warmth came over me just to think about the freedom you may have now where you're not having to pretty much be in a facade. Um, and I think in a lot of these roles, um, you can't show up as your true self, right? Um, and oftentimes when you do, um, you are told not to in these very interesting mm -hmm. ways or told that you're not being professional or that you're not showing up well. Um, and mm -hmm. recently I was sitting around talking to some of my boys and one of them, you know, cut their hair. And when they went back to work, pretty much like a few like folks was patting them on the head and tokenizing them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were just yeah. having these conversations about, and I was telling them when I cut my hair the first time that happened to me about how, so much of our experiences are similar, right? Um, and, you know, earlier you and I were talking offline about intentionality, right? Um, and I think what has been amazing and what I see as a success in you is the intentionality that you have had after this experience of being wrongfully terminated to make sure um, that this story is being told. Um, so for our audience today, can you please share um, what your experience was like at Mazzoni Center um, and where you are now with it, anything that mm -hmm. perhaps we can do to support. Um, this will drop during LGBT History Month. Um, and for mm -hmm. me, you are a, a figure in LGBT mm -hmm. history. You always have been, but especially right <laughs> now, um, pushing this particular narrative in this way, you know, so maybe even talk a little bit about, you know, what it means for you to be a part mm -hmm. of LGBT history. Thank you. I have been very public about my experiences at Mazzoni Center since the moment I got terminated. And a lot of that was out of my control because the second I got terminated, this became a public issue. So, you know, I, I did have this moment where, you know, I thought about, well, what do I do now? You know, I've been terminated. I could just walk out of this building and not make a public deal. I could just handle this behind closed doors. You know, I could 
just walk out of here and figure out whatever my next steps are and not be vocal about it. But then I thought about like, who would that serve? And I felt like if I just walked out and didn't tell anybody and just kept this quiet, that I would continue to maintain the status quo. And I know that there are black and brown people in general, especially black and brown Korean trans people who experience wrongful termination, who experience discrimination, who experience retaliation in the workplace every day. And they walk out in silence and they are terminated in silence. And that I had this moment where I could disrupt that status quo. And rather than walk out in silence and handle things behind closed doors or not at all, I chose to do the opposite. And I, the second I got terminated, I texted my colleagues and I told them, I was like, yo, I just got fired. And within like five minutes, I had 50 people in the office, like, come to my office, walk out with me, we stayed outside the building, we protested, we called the news. And so this became a very public matter right away. And since then, I have decided to continue to be vocal, to continue to keep talking about this, because really the root of my termination, well, there are many, but largely I think the events that led up to it, were because I stood in solidarity with a Black queer woman at my organization, an LGBT organization, who wanted to for three minutes at a staff meeting and she was silenced by a cisgendered heterosexual white passing Latina who's our CEO or who is the CEO of Mazzoni and I felt like I will never stand idly by when a black queer woman is silenced especially not in an LGBT organization and so like if those are my values where I wouldn't stand by you know a black woman like I wouldn't allow for that to happen I wouldn't allow for this black woman to be silenced then I have to continue to not be silent. So like all of this is because we are silent and I am not going to be silent. And that's why our hashtag is we will not LGBT quiet. Like I'm daring to speak. I'm daring to talk about what is happening to me, what is happening in this organization. And like this idea of like not being silent isn't new, right? So I'm thinking about like Audrey Lord who says, you know, our silence will never protect us. So we've been told by, by our, you know, black lesbian uh, foremothers that this is not the way to go about this world. That like, if we ever want to change shit, we got to talk about it. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now. Like I, I'm just trying to get this message out. And what I've been experiencing in the past three weeks, because I have been very vocal on social media and on some LGBT outlets, is that I've had queer and trans black and brown people from all over the country hit me up on Facebook or hit me up on my like messages and Instagram. And they tell me, they're like, yo, I'm being targeted for termination at my work. I just got fired at my job because I said something like, I never knew that like, this was a thing until I read your story. Like, help me. Like, what do we do? So like, I'm doing this around the clock right now. I'm sending people messages like, yo, do you have, you know, documentation? Do you have days and times about the moments in which you were misgendered about the moments in which you felt like you were discriminated against like i'm like giving these people this like legal advice like preparing them for cases like talking to them about what is happening and like building community through the internet over the past three weeks based on the story that i have shared so like this has been happening for a very long time this is happening and i guess that because my situation is very public that 
I'm starting to form a community because so many people are really ashamed and embarrassed about being unemployed, about being fired, even though it was no fault of our own. And that's like our own like internalized racism and like transphobia, like being harassed in the workplace is illegal. There is nothing that you could have done better to navigate this situation in which was unsafe. And even I had to like walk myself through that. I'm like, wow, like, did I really need to do that in this way? Like, what could I have done? And it's like, no, the only way I could have survived in that workplace environment was if I never corrected the CEO on my pronouns, if I never advocated for black and brown employees who were raising questions of inequity. The only way I could have survived there is if I just sat there and did nothing. So that's no way to survive. That's immoral. That's unjust. And it's illegal. It is definitely (laughs) illegal. It is definitely illegal. Um, That is so powerful that folks are coming to you. Um, A few years back, I was pushed out of an organization. And I wish I would have had like someone like you to talk to. And I didn't really see it. Honestly, until this happened to you, I did not see the common thread. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I took it on as like, you know, maybe I wasn't, it wasn't a good fit, right? You know? Um, Mm -hmm. But now that I look back on it, um, and even the experiences that I had around um, changing my name, you know what I mean? And being told like, were you sure? Because if you're not sure, people won't take you serious, you know, just these little things um, that I think were very transphobic that were said. Um, And I never, you know, I never took note. And now that I know some folks who are lawyers, they're like, anytime something happens, you need to write it down. Um, So, you know, now I'm I'm more on top of that. But, you know, what is some, what is some like standard advice, maybe like three tips you would give folks who are having these experiences, who who were maybe Mm -hmm. close to being terminated, um, or who are just simply being misgendered, you know, because here in California, uh, we do have like gender X, the laws going to be passing, that's coming up. Um, so we're having a lot of conversations about, you know, this has happened forever, right? But now it's going to be like a law, like it's literally going to be a law that like if you if you're not using proper language, especially when it comes to gender nonconforming folks, you know, um, we're going to be able to have a conversation about discrimination. So what are some, what are some tips that you would give folks? Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, at least speaking for myself is like the worldview or the framework that you have when you enter an organization and you're hired. So I keep saying that like, I have been very naive when I've entered these organizations, when I've been hired by these organizations, because I have believed them at face value. These organizations have these statements. They have these policies in which they say, we have zero tolerance for retaliation. We have zero tolerance for discrimination. We love LGBT people. You know, we're one of the top 10 LGBT universities in the world. Like, yet when you get there in practice, it is not that. And they very much actually do not care (laughs) about you as a person. They care more about the institution themselves. And the institution will protect itself. It will not protect you. Human resources does not exist to protect you as an employee. Human resources exist to protect the institution. And so first and foremost, we as black and brown queer and trans people working for these institutions that are led by white people, that are led by cis people, we need to understand what we're walking into. And I have never understood that because no one has ever said that to me in plain language. 
and I don't understand, I don't know if that's like a result of me being educated by predominantly white institutions where I've never had black or brown teachers or professors or black or brown queer and trans people, people who are professors who would just say that to me flat out. So I'm really trying to be very vocal about that to like teach this other generation that like you walk into these spaces and like it's not what they say they are. Like you are a commodity. You, uh-huh. they think they own you, right? And like you need to understand that that's what this is. And you are not safe. We walk into these organizations, I walk into these organizations thinking that like I'm entitled to safety, thinking that they say they value diversity and inclusion, but they don't, this shit's a lie. So you gotta know. And no one ever told me that. So right off the bat, mm-hmm. just recognize that you are like unsafe, that you are at the will of these people and that they say they care about diversity, inclusion and discrimination, retaliation, but they don't. They care about themselves. And the second that you start to voice concern, the second that you start to file things, like they will retaliate against you. So, okay, so first and foremost is like the worldview, right? Like understand that you're walking into an organization and they are hiring you and they want to tokenize you. They want to commodify you. And everything they say on paper is actually not true. And that when you, you know, try to hold them accountable, right, where they say that, like, we do, that we value LGBT people, that we don't want to misgender people. But the second you start to file a report with HR and you're like, okay, my supervisor or my colleague is misgendering me. And you say that you care about creating a diverse and inclusive workplace in which you do not tolerate misgendering. Yet, when I'm reporting this to HR, which is what you should do, right? Like, you should have a documented paper trail. Either you keep in your own notes, or you can go through the systems themselves and, like, going to HR and creating that paper trail. You want one or the other, ideally both. But know that when you do start to file things with, with HR, you could potentially, potentially be opening yourself up to retaliation by the organization. Like, I used to think that, okay, like, Something's happening in the workplace. You say you don't want this kind of environment, so I'm going to go to you and report it, and you're supposed to fix it. But actually, you become the problem by reporting it because they don't want to hear about any problems. And even if your boss is doing something that's really wrong, they're probably going to side with the boss because of the hierarchy in the institution and not side with you. And no one's going to tell you that. (laughs) And so you're going to learn that the hard way, and you're going to learn that from people who have tried to file recourse through the system and then they actually get retaliated against by the same systems themselves. So I just want to tell everybody that like, when you start to report things in your workplace, know that the institution might actually take it out on you and not go after the people who are actively doing the things that are harmful. And so you need to create that paper trail, you need to create you know, your own record, and you can go through HR, and so that's one thing, but then prepare for the retaliation that may come and then secondly, like, know that these things are illegal, right? So, like, discrimination is illegal, retaliation is illegal. Depending on the state that you're in, like, misgendering, like, given whatever state you're in and the trans protections may vary. So, like, coming from Massachusetts, where I used to work, or California, those are very blue, relatively progressive, trans-friendly states that have this, like, trans legislation. But not every state has that. And so if you're in, like, some deep red state, like, I don't know what kind of recourse you have. So you need to be knowledgeable about your state and their trans protection. And also that you should look up whatever agency in your state looks at cases of discrimination. So for me in Massachusetts, there's the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination. Here in Philadelphia, there is the 
Philadelphia Commission of Human Relations. And so I've had to file instances of discrimination and harassment with both of these offices. So you need to be familiar with what state agencies you have at your disposal. You also have the federal level, which is the EEOC or like the Equal Opportunity Office or whatever. So there are many different paths in which you can file stuff. And then you probably need a lawyer. And I recently have had to find a lawyer and it's really difficult to find a trans competent lawyer, right? Someone who understands the nuances around race and gender. Thankfully, I've been able to retain a trans lawyer. So my lawyer is a transgender person. Her name is Jillian Weiss. She's great. Um, but that took a lot of effort and a lot of people had to connect me to like finding trans competent lawyers and that you need money, you need capital ready if you want to retain a lawyer like Jillian thankfully has been really like flexible with me but like I have her on retainer and that costs money every time she looks at an email every time she answers a phone call for me like that costs money and some lawyers might be able to do something pro bono there's like the transgender law center there's other different types of like legal services that we can have but a lot of it unfortunately is based on like privilege and capital um and then lastly I would say like just <laughs> to the extent that you're able to like have savings like have liquid assets like I've been able to like enjoy these past three weeks if you want to call it enjoyment and not have to worry so much about money because I do have like savings I do have like investment property that gives me income and like I will be filing for unemployment so like you have to think about like what would it look like if you got terminated or if you quit your job because it is so unhealthy for you like how would you survive how would you pay your housing? How would you get meals? How would you pay your bills? And I think for queer and trans people of color who are working in spaces that are not and that are not safe, like you need to have the safety planning ready. Like you should probably plan for two months of living without a paycheck, frankly, if you're going to be working in these spaces. Wow. Thank you for those tips, man. That's I'm, t- I'm over here taking notes because especially <laughs> yes, on, the fi- on, on a financial <laughs> tip, you just you just never know, man. I'm I'm so serious, and I don't think, you know, I think there's a naiveness, and I think that there's like a trust that we want to have because we often have to walk around with so much anxiety, right? So you want to almost feel like you got some place to be safe, but. I've honestly never felt like it was worse, you know, um, and maybe that I went to a historically black college. So maybe I've, you know, maybe I kind of got that put into me in some part of my academic journey. Um, but what I really wanted to know from you, um, as we talk about, you know, you, ha- you have your, your savings and you, you know, I know that that's, that's working out for you, but there, is there any other way that folks can support and what are you doing to make sure that Kate is well, right? Because um, this is Boy Meets Wellness. So what are some things that you're doing in this time? Because what you experienced was trauma, right? Like not only the termination, but the experience of being misgendered um, and realizing that, you know, folks that you honestly, like were trying to work with and respect it, you know, Kind of, they did you dirty. Like, let's just be honest about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's something to mourn. That's a relationship to mourn. That's a loss. Um, so, you know, what are ways we can support and what are you doing to stay well? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I asked myself, like, what does wellness mean? What is wellness? Like, I don't know that I actually know what that is. Um, 
I think for me in these past three weeks, like since being terminated, I have channeled my energy in sharing the story. I feel like my wellness comes from sharing what has happened to me, educating other people, maybe because that is my background, because I do have, you know, this master's degree in higher education. I have been working in education that that speaks more to like who I am as a person that like, I feel like educating other people is a service, but it also like serves me and like building community around this and like talking to other people who are going through this and have gone through this. Like it is this like symbiotic process where I am helping other people, but I am also being helped and like sharing this story. So I feel like that has been an avenue for wellness. Um, I've been writing about this. Like, thankfully, you know, some LGBT outlets have picked up this story. So I've been able to, like, have things that I've written, like, on Facebook have been published um, by some outlets. I've been, like, talking on radio. I'm talking to you right now. I think that sharing the story and talking about it is a form of therapy. Um, I think there's also, like, formal therapy therapy, but I think that that is also really difficult for queer trans people of color because your therapist has to be knowledgeable about all of these different points of our identity. And yes, my work was traumatic. Not only, you know, the discrimination and retaliation that I faced, but I was also a victim of a hate crime on behalf of my employer because I was assaulted physically, I was punched in the face by a group of right-wing Christian extremists who showed up to our Philadelphia Trans Women's Conference and I confronted them. And two of our colleagues who are also queer women of color got pepper sprayed. So when I like wow. sit back and unpack all of the trauma that I've been through in the past four months working for this place, it's pretty deep. Um, and so I am seeking like a therapist, like thankfully, question mark, because that interaction happened, like I, I do have workers comp. So like, I do have these like benefits that I can like get therapy for. Um, and so I will do that. But I mean, that's like a whole nother loaded thing. I just, I don't know. I'm very skeptical about finding a therapist who can really like be there for me to understand all the shit that happened. So like, I'm finding my own therapy, right? Like I think listening to music is therapeutic, dancing is therapeutic, skateboarding is therapeutic you know, doing the things that I enjoy doing is therapeutic right now. Um, And yeah, what can folks do? Like right now, as I said, my focus is on sharing the story widely. And I've also partnered with activists in Philadelphia. So I'm working with the Black and Brown Workers Collaborative, um, or Cooperative, I'm sorry. And they have launched like a change.org petition um, last time I checked, we had like almost 400 people who signed on to this petition where staff at Mazzoni are demanding the CEO's resignation. They are demanding the resignation for other senior leadership and they are demanding my reinstatement. And I think it's important that people sign on to this petition as a measure of like public pressure for what's going on. I don't know what's going to come of it, um, but I think that that's helpful and people who can like share this story. And then working with like people here in Philadelphia to continue to like hold this organization accountable. Um, 
this wellness. I mean, I don't know if that's really like wellness, but that's my wellness because I'm seeking justice. I'm seeking recourse. Like I'm not going to sit here and just have these people like come at me and like try to ruin my career and just sit here. Like I'm going after them. And that is my wellness. That's beautiful, man. You know, but you know, the, the way that you said that that's my wellness um, really resonated with me because I feel like we don't have an answer often for that right but we know how we're surviving and how we're making it um, and to me that is your wellness right um, telling your story sharing it and being able to build with your community because that's what's happening right now like we're building you know these relationships that are coming folks that are coming to you um, you're building the support system but you're also being a support to so many folks so I just want you to know that you know, I really appreciate you and I'm thankful that we've been able to cross paths and um, you're doing amazing work um, by just showing up and pushing back, you know, and I think so much, so many of us don't have the courage to do that. So thank you for like trading the path, you know, and giving us some intentionality to really think about, you know, when we're stepping into this work, especially when it has that title, diversity and inclusion, what does that company, what does that business really mean by that? Um, and what are they trying to say? So just to, you know, to conclude, um, I have some fun for us. Um, it's this is a segment I call, I call boy talk and hop, right? Um, so it's going to be almost like a fill in the blank type of, type of thing. Um, so I'm going to give you a statement and you're going to read it back to me, but then you're going to fill in the blank. Um, so an example would be, I love to watch. And then you would say, I love to watch Evolve, right? Because I'm pretty dope. Um, right. <laughs> or right. it could be, you know, or it could be whatever it is. So I'll give you the statement. You read the statement back and fit, fill it in with the blank. Um, gotcha. So the first one, you got it? You think you got it? You ready? Yeah, I think I got it. I think I'm ready. Oh, okay. You can't think too hard because it's supposed to be real, you right. know, real sporadic. Yep. We want to see what's going to come yep. out of your brain. Yep. <laughs> okay. So my favorite lyrics are. My favorite lyrics are Notorious B.I.G. Which lyrics? It was all a dream. No. I used to read Word <laughs> Up magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's a rap for us, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but I have, in my house, I have, it was all a dream. Like a Philly Works print, I think it is. Like, I look at that every day. That reminds me, you know, Juicy. This this idea, you know, Biggie pushed, like, you can come from wherever and you can make it work. Like, hip-hop to me is is not only, like, a, a work of journalism, like, people who wrote about their struggle in the era that they came from, but it speaks to, like, these macro-American ideals of, like, you can really make it. So I always go back to hip-hop when I don't know anything right like i'm blasting like biggie right now i'm listening to like sky is the limit on repeat like that is my therapy too like listening to these narratives of people who just made it work who came from nothing who had genius so that's yeah. real shout out to biggie for those amazing lyrics right. okay so the next the next one is more money more lawyers <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my favorite food is my favorite food is tacos. <laughs> tacos, okay, what kind? Uh, El Pastor tacos, carnito tacos, 
Oh, dang, you got a spot and everything. Okay. You like to do like three or six or how many you need? To, how many hey, you need to mostly, give you the two? Mostly, mostly three does it, yeah. <laughs> my magic is? My magic is authenticity and just real or better or worse. <laughs> Definitely. If I could spend a day with anyone, it would be. Ooh. I could spend a day with anyone. It would be Kimberly Crenshaw. What's up? <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that. What would y'all do? What would y'all do? You know, I did get to meet her. And we did have a brief conversation one time in California, but I would definitely love to, like, pick that back up. We would just walk around and hang out and talk, you know? Nice, nice. All right, so sex is? Sex is therapeutic. And last but not least, wellness is? Wellness is to be determined. I'm looking thank for you, it, making you. it myself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for this. Thank you for this moment. So that concludes our interview. Do you have anything else you want to say to the world? How can the world find you? Yeah. How can we find you? Social media? What's your social media? You know, Facebook, we Instagramming. How can folks find you in the world? Right, right. Thank you so much. Uh, well, I really want to thank you for this platform. As I said earlier, you know, this moment is really educating me on who cares about black and brown lgbt people's narratives and experiences and you are here you've been here you're making documentaries you are writing books you are writing poetry you are (laughs) doing so much for all of us just giving us a voice and a platform and it's so important you know otherwise we just disappear into this ether and if it wasn't for people like you who are media makers LGBT media makers, like we just wouldn't be able to share widely. So thank you for what you're doing, preserving our stories. You know, it's it's amazing work. It's important work. And for people who want to connect with me, Instagram is cool. So it's K underscore PMZ or Facebook. I have an alias. <laughs> well, maybe not an alias now that I'm telling you, but it's KT <laughs> Martinez. Um, and that works for me. And I'm just so happy, I guess be someone that people can talk to so i'm here you know i'm here to build community and helping us navigate these workplaces and hopefully changing these workplaces because we don't need to endure this it's not right it's got to stop dope man thank you so much man thank you my name is Kay, and i am born obviously incredible Thanks for listening to Boy Meets Wellness. Stay connected on and off the show by following us online at Boy Meets Wellness. That's boy with an I. Until next time, go be incredible.